0: Hello! Hello. You're
1: listening to Track by Track with me, Dan.
0: And me, Will. This is the podcast where you take a great pop music album and break it down, track by track.
1: And something has really made a mess of me, because on the turntable this week, we've got Last Man Dancing by Jake Shears.
0: Yes, and not only are we going track by track through the album, I'm just going to say it straight away, we've got Jake with us to go through the album. How fantastic is that, Dan? Uh,
1: literally honestly i think for both of us a dream come true someone that we have listened to and adored for years and years and years who we've seen performed live so much of our musical history right there and he's on our podcast to talk about his new album with us
0: and uh it's fair to say uh jake's new album which has been with us for a very short amount of time now has really struck a sweet spot and a and a chord with us and so many people it's just gone down an absolute storm and you can bet your bottom dollar dan did a lot of gushing talking to jake that we've had to edit out of the episode uh, more, than but, uh, yeah.
1: more than ever more than ever it's terrible getting, it's getting about before every episode with someone that we really admire i just think to myself play it cool just be cool don't just be cool and then the second they arrive you know it's just
0: horrendous and we had uh, we were so we spent so much time talking about this fantastic new album Uh, that we didn't get a chance to talk about Sister Sisters and what's gone before. It was so much in the here and now, which is so great when you've got a big artist like Jake back with a new album. It's all about the new material and what he's doing. And he's clearly having a ball.
1: Really is. I'll tell you what was great about it as well. He told us a lot that I've not. I've been keeping up to date with all the interviews and whatnot. I heard a few things... On this episode, just to keep you uh, listening, listeners, that I've not heard anywhere else.
0: Yeah, and I tried to pump him for information about future collaborations, and he didn't uh, didn't reveal his hand. But yeah, I think that's what you want, isn't it, from a media product? Is some exclusive content. I think you're
1: onto something there, Will. I think you've got a little
0: <laughs> a little nook of, of an idea. <laughs> or am I stating the obvious? <laughs> Now, first of all, before we hand over to ourselves with Jake, uh just to mention obviously Jake Shears, born Jason Shellards, uh who emerged uh with the Scissor Sisters from the New York uh alternative pop, dance, rock, queer scene back uh way back in the early noughties, and has since gone on to have a fantastic career with Scissor Sisters as a solo artist, as a collaborator, songwriter producer, uh, and musical writer, as we've discovered, as we will discover and listen to. And uh, he's back with a vengeance in 2023. So, shall we? Shall shall we? Hand over. To us, with Jake. (laughs) Jake, welcome to Track by Track. Great to have you with us to talk about uh, the new album. Uh, It's been out in the wild now for a little while, What has the reaction been like? How has it been for you? Uh,
2: It's been so sweet to finally get it out. I mean, after I've worked on it for about three years and the response has just been amazing. People seem to love it and it's just made me feel really good. It's been inspiring to me to like do, keep going and to like do more stuff. I've been really happy. I've been like stoked playing the shows so far. Um, You know, I've been working super hard, but it, just feels good. So, I'm just happy that people seem to be really loving the record. And I thought like I you know when when you put something out it's like I feel like it's really good and, and like I love it. And you just never know, you know, how people are going to respond to something necessarily, but it's just been really sweet to see in real time now. Now that we've got like Instagram and everything, you can just sort of see people react to things immediately and it's been lovely
0: it was it's been i mean we i think not to speak on your behalf Dan but i we love the album we've been raving to each other about it uh for the last week or so in preparation for recording today and you're right it's universally what well, since it's been out there universally loved and everybody's digging it and into it at the moment and it looks like you've been having a ball out there promoting it performing it uh, and i know more to come over the summer as well it must feel great to finally get out there with these songs
2: yeah uh it's just it's getting to release a record is is just like it's it's like a personal christmas you know and for some reason i haven't had a hangover with this when usually when i put an album out i get some kind of an immediate hangover <laughs> uh when i put anything out there's like there's kind of a it can be brief but just like a brief depression just after it because it's just like you feel like you're letting something go of yourself but i haven't had that i've just been really excited and i'm just like dying to make more music now i mean like that's kind of that's sort of where my head's been at is like i'm like oh my god i want to make more songs well really really glad to hear that
1: because obviously you kept us waiting a little while yeah between uh, the last album and this one it was completely worth the wait as will has said and thank you for speaking on my behalf will i agree um but just promises promises it's not going to be another fight it years won't or so. be
2: i mean the, the definitely the, the pandemic had a lot to do with that uh it definitely slowed down the progression of the writing of this and and some of the stuff was made during that time but i yeah it's just it just it slowed it down a lot i mean there was a couple of of these songs I made totally remotely. And I didn't want to put this record out under the umbrella of the pandemic. I really wanted, I felt I felt strongly that we <laughs> kind of needed to, I, I wanted like a separation between th- this record and sort of, I, I didn't want it to be sitting under that umbrella. And I feel like we sort of achieved that by waiting a little bit longer. It's definitely intended to be played played with with friends and with a lot of people around it's a social record <laughs> not a socially existence record no well
0: it feels like a good point then it sounds like i think we're itching to just to get into the music so let's talk about uh let's kick off with the first track uh and side one track one too much music
2: Too much music. It's my. It's one of my favorite songs. I think I've ever made. I mean, I just. I. I love it. I sort of wrote it. Sort of the tail end of so much of this stuff, and I felt like it. It just. It gave. It was a great sort of thesis statement to start with for this record. It sounded like such a beginning. Uh, it's got those elements. It sort of has all the elements that I love when I write songs and it's it's got like all the left turns, it's got surprises in it. Uh, it's epic, it's a journey. There's other singers on it. I love this track and I wanted it to kind of have that, of course, like a Nile Rodgers-y feel. It's got that French, it's got definitely a lot of like French influence. You can hear like, it's like a very Justice-y kind of baseline. I made it with Ryland Blackington. And Von Oliver uh, in Los Angeles. And I just think that they are incredible producers. And I I just love how this song sounds. It's probably my favorite song on the record.
0: And once you've enjoyed the album a few times, it feels like it was destined to be the first track, almost really sets the scene for the rest of the album. Uh, And so many different uh, styles and collaborations. Was it always, did you have it in mind as the first track?
2: Yeah, just that beginning of it, just it just felt once once we had it, it just felt like there was no other place but to but to start the album. And it's got that great mix, I think, of the 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 reason why I think it sets the scene on the album so well is it has got it does it's a pop song, but it also has that sort of like expansive, endless feel that like the the you hear sort of later on down the record. I feel like it has that kind of it sort of takes you on a journey in that moment and i think that's just sort of like an indication of what the whole album is
1: it's a great intro and it's just it's dramatic as well i think certainly with that intro it's drama and instantly you're kind of like well what is what's going on here and what's going to happen here uh, a, a phrase we overuse it feels
2: like a statement of intent yes
1: <laughs>
2: no it definitely is it is a statement of intent i i would i would uh i would agree with that and then you could just got like, also you have Amber at the end, my friend, Amber Martin, who sings on Devil Came Down the Dance Floor. Just her big sort of solo at the end of it is so amazing. I think she's an incredible singer. You get those other voices in there. Um, but yeah, I feel like it sums up the, the, the record in a way. The perfect side one track
1: one, which is we're obsessed with the structure of an album. Of course, that's why we talk about albums track by
2: track every week. So this was just it's perfect it's important to me to i've always taken sort of the album format really seriously and i it, it, just the f- flow of an album is so
1: super important speaking of for me track two is often one of the most important songs because this is where you really get to find out what's going on so let's have a little bit of track two which is do the television
3: and the words
2: Do the Television was originally started with Scissor Sisters, probably like 2008, 2009. Um, and there was a version that we did with Stuart Price uh, that didn't go on night work. It just never, the song never worked, but I loved the idea behind it. And I loved that little refrain. And it was one that I always wanted to go back and 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 pull out again. And so I got Baby Daddy's permission, Anna's permission, and took it in Vaughn Oliver, and I basically wrote that new chorus on there, that big lift that sort of turns into like, a, sort of that that epic lift that happens. I don't know if it's really a chorus or, or what it is there, but once we had that, I just, I, I was so happy, and I really thought that the song worked. Um, but it's, I'm usually not, open to going back and pulling out old ideas but I do think it's important sometimes to be open to it and this song I think is a great example of of personally of, of going back and kind of mining some old stuff to see if there's any gold in there and and I, I this is another song that I just love and I really am happy to see in the last day and it's been out for a couple of years now uh, I put it mm-hmm. out I put it out over I put it out over the pandemic and you know I don't necessarily think a ton of you know the, a ton of people didn't hear it necessarily but I just wanted to put something out I just I felt like everything was a little bit dead in the water and I just wanted to put a, a great song out for those who would pay attention
1: and I was really glad when I saw this on the track listing because I didn't think it would be there, to be honest, because you, like you said, it was a couple of years. I thought I thought it was going to be uh, too much music would be the kind of first new thing we heard. But for all the reasons you've just said, it, it would have been such a shame for it to have been lost either in the Scissor Sisters back catalogue or not heard because of the pandemic and everything that came with that because it it fits this, you know, this is a really cohesive record and it fits it perfectly. But also you can hear... The more Scissor Sisters influences of like Bowie and Roxy music and stuff like that. I think you hear this more in this track than where elsewhere maybe a bit more disco. There's
2: a glam feeling to it. There's like a there's something really menacing about this song to me. I've always liked that like the 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 narrator of it. I've counted there's ten different characters on this record. Um <laughs> there's there's ten different people on it, and only a couple of them. You know, there, there's only a couple songs are actually me singing them. Like this is someone else. This is not me. Um, and I write a lot in characters. And I this this singer of this song is not a particularly good person. And I don't think he's got a great agenda. Um, or yeah, I don't think the the singer of this song does not have our best interests in mind. Quite creepy. <laughs> It is creepy. I I think it's a really spooky song, even though it's like <laughs> uplifting. And, and there's something very, uh, you know, in my in my head when I was writing it and sort of thinking about it. There's something a little bit cult like about it. But he is he is sort of a cult like figure
0: singing this. Okay, moving on oh. to track three. This... <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like okay, <laughs> <laughs> we need to get Kylie in to lighten the mood now. Um, <laughs> Track three, voices with Kylie Minogue. (coughs)
2: This is probably other than do the television, this is the oldest song on here. We made it a while ago, and that's this is how I originally met Vaughn Oliver. Um, was doing this track, and I was in the studio with Oliver making it, and she was in town, and we were she was kind of on a break, and we were doing like a lot of we were like going to the movies and just sort of having fun, like, lazy days sort of over this period of weeks in Los Angeles. And I I, I worked on this song, and it just popped in my head one day. I was with her, and I was like, oh, I think, I think there's a thing that you should maybe come try to sing on, put your vocal on. And she was down, and she came in, and we made this song, and I just loved it. I loved it. It was so special and spooky, and uh, there was just – I felt like there was, like, a real – magic to it but at the time not it was potentially going to go on th- this oliver album they were doing a full length uh for i want to say interscope or something but they the song got rejected from it for being too gay i think or something <laughs> but they literally <laughs> like the, the record label, oliver's record label like didn't want the song and so basically I said to them, I was like, will you just let me have it then, please? I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I I really love it. I don't want this record to get lost. Um. So I just had it in my back pocket. I mean, she was doing Golden and I was doing the first solo record, which is this completely different vibe. And I just was always sort of there. And I think this song was kind of the impetus for writing the album because I wanted to give it a home. I wanted this song to live somewhere and I needed to build a world around it for it to live in. So I think that's kind of how this record got started was this, this song was the seed of, of it. And it's funny. She never really responded to the song. I don't think she ever really got what a, cool song it is i mean there, we'd be conversations i'd be like you know that song voices that we did but Oliver should be like what what song was that can you play it for me again and i'm like <laughs> you don't understand The song is so good and she, i just don't think she ever really rated it so i'm like super pleased and thankful and grateful that she let me put it out on this album i thought it was uh, very sweet of her and her whole team to let me do that
0: and is this the last time we'll hear the two of you on a record together this year
2: uh i think so
0: <laughs>
3: i'm just like have you heard
0: something, Will? Something I <laughs> well don't. Uh, i'm just just digging a little bit because obviously we know kylie's got tension coming out later on this year uh, and knowing the relationship the two of you had, I was trying to put two and two together <laughs> and hoping to get four, but uh, no, maybe not by the century. I'm not
2: showing up on tension, sadly. Uh, but I'm really excited about the record. Yes. Mm.
1: The, the Padam
2: pandemic is uh, real. It is real. I'm really happy about it. and super happy for her. It's very, it's very sweet. It warms warms my cold dead heart. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, then. I could actually talk about
1: voices for a whole episode, but we have to move on. So, track four is I used to be in love.
3: Now I'm out dancing. Like-
2: I wrote it right before breaking up with my boyfriend of three years, and we were, like, in a house in Bristol, Virginia, and, like, I had just, everything had gotten shut down. I had, I was supposed to be going into the studio with Baby Daddy and Kylie to work on something for disco in california and that all got canceled everything got canceled everything got shut down and i ran off to this house that i'd gotten from my parents that they hadn't moved into yet Uh, so me and my boyfriend were in there and it was good we had a good a good run and i i didn't i wasn't expecting to break up with him but like about a week before we did i i basically set up a whole studio in the house because i was like i'm going to try to at least write something for disco even though we couldn't be in the studio kylie i'm gonna like I can't just sort of let it go. I'm going to write some songs. So remotely with Cheever, with Baby Daddy, uh, Vaughn Oliver, we just, with those three different guys, we wrote a, like five songs for disco. Some better than others, of course. But it was just like, I was just kind of pumping out songs. And this one uh, turned out really well. And I basically sent them over, and this was the one that kind of that piqued Kylie's interest, and they were interested in it. And I was kind of waiting. I, there was like a four day waiting period before, like I was going to find out whether they were interested in cutting this the song or not. And basically, I, that time that I was waiting, I was just thinking, God, I would actually really like this record for myself. So. <laughs> part of me was hoping that they were going to use it and then the other part was like totally fine if they didn't because i was like i think this would be a really great great song so they didn't take it and i yeah made it for myself it, it was kind of a, a it was a different version i rewrote the verses a bunch of times i rewrote the verses a bunch of times. like the verses that just was not getting right and sometimes that happens sometimes you'll have this great chorus and you'll have this song and just the verses like can be really tough to write. And sometimes I'll write them over and over and over again until they, they, they get, you know, in the right spot. But yeah, this was, this was written for disco and ended up being my disco.
0: I mean, it's a glorious like disco moment for me. Uh, it's I think it's one of my favorites on the album because it's just so, so euphoric. Uh, and it could when you wrote when you when you recorded it. Did you think, oh, this could be a new disco classic because it's just so upbeat, so catchy. It's it just stays with you. It was actually
2: my when all is said and done. I think it's my least favorite song in the record.
3: <gasps> what?
2: <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I going mean, to like it, but it's it's not my. It's it's great. I I wanted it to yeah i wanted it to have just like a big euphoric pop feel and i I do love it i love this song and i love my favorite thing about it is that like string hook i really wanted to have sort of a shapeshifters lola's theme vibe to it i was Mm, thinking about like that sort of a sample making kind of making something like what you know sort of making your own sample to stick in the song right moving on now to track five
0: really big deal
2: Really big deal is the last song I wrote for this record, and the record was done. And I have been working on a musical with Steven Arimis co-writing, who's a he's an arranger. It's his first score, uh, his first musical score. And we had one more song to write for this musical. We were in New Orleans. Just, we've been working on for like four years, and this came out. This basically was written for a musical that I'm writing, and I loved it so much i was like this has to go on the record i just loved the song and and it had sort of this this cocky character swagger uh humor to it that wasn't on the album and I, i i was just like oh this really kind of completes this it's sort of this vibe that i can do this sort of swaggery cocky fun sleazy vibe that i that i enjoy and i love performing on stage and this has really turned into i play it second in my set these days and it's one of my favorite songs to perform now it's so fun to play it's just i can really express myself in that way with it and this is also kind of the closest i produced the demo just on my own and ryland who you know who I did too much music with, sort of worked on it for a while, and it just didn't. I just wasn't loving it, and we really pulled it back to mostly my production that that I'd done. And and, and listen, Ry- Rylan definitely had his had his fingers in it in a in a great way, and it wouldn't be the song it is without him. But this is the closest song that I've ever sort of made the production myself. Full, you know. I've never really been in the driver's seat that often with producing songs. I've always, I'm a great backseat driver and I know my vocabulary and I know what I wanna hear and I can really like, yeah, I, I love producing songs, but this is the first one ever that I feel like I was in the driver's seat for a lot of it.
1: And so do you think with the next album, do you, do you see yourself maybe getting even further into that production?
2: Uh, no, 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 no. I'm, I, I really don't have and I need to be when I'm making music. Uh, I love having a production partner and I have to be running around the room. I just, it's, I, I don't want to be sitting at the desk, you know, I will. I, I, and I definitely make my own demos and like, have you know, I love putting ideas down if I'm just like writing with a friend, but when, when, when we're actually making the records, I've got no, uh, interest really in in sitting in the proper driver's seat like i i like to uh i need to be moving i need to be pacing i need to be vaping uh (laughs)
1: okay let's move on then to track six and it's the title track last man dancing (laughs)
2: Wrote this with Cheever um, before the before the pandemic. It was kind of like a I don't know. It took us a couple of days to write, and this is just one of those songs where like I love chord progressions. I love I. This is like a songcraft song, which is sort of different than some of the stuff you get later on the album. Like this is a, just a, you know a a song crafted with great chords that really tells a story. And the title, just the title, sometimes the titles will pop and I- this title came to me when we were just messing around with chords. And then you're just like, has anybody written that before? And I went in and like looked up last man dancing songs. So it was just like some weird, like bad 15 year old acid track or something. Like, just no- <laughs> like it didn't seem like there had been any like sort of pop songs written with that title you know and 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 so i was just like oh it's a it's a great title let's tell let's start telling a story from it
0: and is this one of the tracks that you mentioned that is you because when you think about the when you hear the lyrics and you think about the energy that you have it totally fits to be you
2: yes this is a song written kind of from a from a from a personal standpoint it's very much about myself um i mean there's a story there's sort of a fictional story kind of in there but it's this the song is very sort of inspired by my own spirit, and uh, I I love having a good time. I love hanging out with my friends. I love listening to music. I love staying up late, and this is just sort of my anthem to those those things, and uh, and and also. You know, I am I turned 45 this year and it's just like I've got I have definitely curtailed that part of my life somewhat, especially when I'm working this hard, just because I can't, you know, I don't have that kind of social life. Like, for instance, you know, I did in New Orleans a year and a half ago at my house, like my life is always sort of changing. And but I, I, I still, you know, I'm still I'm still going to be that that dude, I think, probably for a long time. It just doesn't necessarily happen as often as I wish it did anymore. <laughs> Quantity
1: over quality now,
2: right? Yes. No, the other way around. Quality over qu- quality. Yeah, quality. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whoops. What I love about this track is that um, this was, of course, the f- the fourth and final hint of the album we got before we heard the full thing. And it was a slightly different flavor to the other tracks. I get real classic like Elton Bernie, from this one, certainly when the track kicks in. And of course, you've you've done the uh, the musical with Elton, which was earlier this year, last year in London. Were you were you sharing ideas with Elton when you were doing that? Were they were they happening at the same time?
2: Um, the musical has been over the last ten years. You've been writing it, so. Oh, wow. uh, you know, he's always gonna be a massive inspiration to me. I mean, ever since I started writing unbeknownst to me, like early scissors days, I really started sort of writing in the style of Elton and Bernie. You know what I mean? Sort of a lot of times like his his voice and his cadences come to me. And I yeah, I'm it's just sort of a style that I that I write in. That's why we made a great musical together, I think, because you know, we wrote everything in the same room, but then I, I kind of me and the orchestrator sort of took it away and really were able to make a, an Elton John sounding musical, mm. uh, and that was really important for me to do that. I wanted our show, Sammy Faye, to be, uh, to, to really sound like him. But yeah, there's uh, there's so often in my head when I'm writing, I'll I'll ask my you know I'll basically like a prayer to the rock gods and be like what would george michael do right now what would bowie do right now what would you know and and just kind of like imagine you know th- th- what would prince do just kind of like think of the greats and sometimes it can get you through a, a block or something if, if you're feeling blocked which occasionally i am
0: okay let's move on now we're flipping the record over to side b for pack seven April.
2: made eight ball cheaper and I made it in Laguna and we just started doing it and I was like oh this would just be a great instrumental I'd always wanted to do an instrumental track and it just came out in a really fun way I was kind of thinking of like Inspector Norris Todd Terje vibes when we were writing it just like you know there's definitely some shout outs to soul wax in moments there's like a full just like machine gun drum riff that's like Def, like an absolute nod to Sohex, who I think are just two, the best producers alive. I think they're amazing. And I'd always just wanted to write an instrumental. And I think this song kind of got the rest of the record going and sort of gave me the idea of what the second half could be. And I also thought it was just like, cool. Just, I, 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 I love the idea of, making a solo record also that i'm not singing on the whole time that i'm just like not all over it and i'll sort of get into that with the next song a little bit but but yeah i I, it just got me excited to think about making a record that that i i could sort of take a back seat at moments
0: was it always the intention to do something that had two very distinct parts to it or did like you said with 8ball did it just organically grow from a particular track and then you followed that thread further down
2: it was kind of like around when 8ball started i think that it, it the idea started to come to me and i was thinking about albums and i was thinking about how people listen to albums how people stream music and basically i was like if i put all the kind of most accessible stuff just at the top and have enough of have enough of those accessible songs uh, you know, this sort of like hookie pop songs. There's six of them, I think, back to back. Um, then it just gives me freedom to kind of indulge myself a bit and sort of do some exploration and see what happens. Yeah, I, it gave me. It sort of gave me the idea to, put to where I could be like, oh, I've sort of always wanted to make something that goes off the rails. And that's when I describe this record to people, I'm like, basically it's like six pop songs and then you go on a trip that just kind of like, really just go, the record flies off the rails and <laughs> you're just like, where are we and what's going on? And I think that this song was definitely the kind of like impetus
1: to that. The first listen of this album, I, you almost like, you yeah, it take, does take you by surprise. I, was, I remember I was walking to work listening to it and I just... Anyone walking past me would have just wondered what was going on. I was just smiling like (laughs) a a fool because I just was enjoying like every second and every merge into the next song. It was, uh, you know, an experience. Cool. And as we said, that one merges nicely into track eight, which is "Devil Came Down." Down
2: Dance Floor was actually a title that I had written down possibly for Kylie's disco when I was doing those songs. Um, and it's obviously a play on uh, Devil Came Down to Georgia by the, not the Jay Giles band. Who did Devil Came Down to Georgia? Um, I don't know that one. But it was just a title I sort of had sticking around. You never heard Devil Came Down to Georgia? I've got to look don't real quick. do think so. Um, just pardon me for one second. I'm being a really bad classic rock country dude for not knowing who the hell did that it's down to as the devil went down to georgia it's the charlie daniels band that's what i'm going to listen to after this it's a play it's a play oh it's a great song it's it's, charlie daniels band devil came down to georgia it's like full-on like i think charlie daniels band now is like i think very right wing uh scary america vibes but uh, reappropriating a title, and making it very gay. <laughs> um, I made this with Cheever remotely. We sort of wrote the song remotely, which we had to really uh, practice doing, and it was hard and and it was slow going. But it was just, it was still. This song was written in the middle of lockdown, and I can't tell you what a strange ballet it is to write songs remotely, especially if you're, you know, if you've got the same mix coming through the speakers, you have to mute things, you have an iPad going, you've got your phone going, you've got your, uh, you know, your mix going through your monitors. It's just like, it is a ballet to get stuff written like that. But, you know, when there's a will, there's a way. And we did it. The funny thing is, is when we finished the demo of it, I thought the song was good, but I seriously just did not feel here nor there about it. Me singing it felt redundant. I didn't like the demo with me singing it. I just didn't, I don't know. In my head, I was like, I've heard this before. Like this is just, to me, it just felt like something I'd already done. And I I just put the demo like on a side burner. Meanwhile, Amber Martin, one of my best friends, New York singer, She's originally from Beaumont, Texas. She stays with me a lot in New Orleans. She's one of my best mates. Uh, she was, we're sitting outside on, I've got a little screened in porch in New Orleans. And she said, she came, came in and said, yo, you, you know what? She said, you need to write me a song. And I sat there for a second. I was like, I think I, I might have one, but if we try it and it works, the deal is, is I get to keep it. I was like, you could sing it, but if it works, I'm keeping it. And we recorded vocals on it in my living room in New Orleans on an SM7 mic. And the song just came alive. He's such a good singer. And it's it was sort of always the song's destiny, I think, with her voice on it. And that's why I'm starting to be more interested in making stuff with other singers and getting other voices on my stuff because you know as I was here in Laguna writing a song with Chever a couple days ago and we started writing this song and before I got on the mic we were like oh my god this is amazing this is gonna be gorgeous wow what a melody this is. and I got on the mic and it just sounded terrible like it was just like I'm not a woman if I was like I like had some big brassy diva voice this song could be amazing but I was like I can't I can't pull this off. It just doesn't set my voice is too thin for this song. That's what's exciting about getting to sort of paint with other colors is, you know, it can sort of be an extension of yourself in a way, but doesn't have to be you. And I just think Amber, you know, killed it with this it's just magical you know they're playing it on radio too this last week and i just like there's amber martin like on the radio it's really exciting she's one of my best friends so it's it's sweet uh to see her getting love as well with this song
1: it's a it's a wow moment of the album it is because again you didn't expect the instrumental and then you don't expect a jake shears song on a jake shears album to have mainly a different vocalist on it Uh, of course you're there on the chorus as well but it's uh We've got to move on, but I could talk
3: about this song forever.
0: <laughs> Let's move on to track nine, which is Mess with Me. Oh!
2: So this, so now we're getting into uh, the Boys Noise stuff. So Alex Rita, a.k.a. Boys Noise, one of my best buddies. I just love working with him. He did a lot of Scissor Sisters Magic Hour. Um, and I think he's an incredible DJ and a killer producer. And he and I just love so much of the same stuff. Um, we love really twisted, like, you know, gnarly dance music. Um I don't know he's like a brother to me and I wanted to do some stuff with him and then I had the idea to like basically we'll make our segment of the record and then he basically went back and did the final mix on all of the stuff that me and Cheever did. So in a way he's basically the executive producer of this album. Um and we st- I went to Lisbon uh to work with him for a couple weeks and I got a text a while back from David Russell, who's one of the managers now for Miley Cyrus. And he's an old friend of mine. And uh, one of Del Key from Sister Sisters is his best friends. And I got a random text from him that said, you should cover just another part of me off Michael Jackson's bad. And I don't know. It was just always my, and, and I was sitting in the studio with Alex. And I was like, let's just cover another part of me off bad and we did and it was this song <laughs> and it was just a very strange cover of it kind of using those lyrics that sort of took out the the, the pre-chorus and we sent it to the Michael Jackson estate and they said absolutely not. <laughs> oh, <sorry>. <laughs> no <laughs> No, there was There's too much rejection.
1: There's too much rejection on this episode for my liking.
2: Oh, but you know what leads to it leads to greater stuff. I don't mind rejection. Listen, from these sessions, Alex and I wrote a song that we realized would be great for the Vanga Boys, and we sent it to Vanga Boys, <laughs> and they rejected it. What? This is insanity. Yes. To get a song rejected by Boys, is like Are they okay? you don't know how that feels <laughs> inside. Like it, it was just, probably it really makes you wonder what. Yeah, you're, I'm like Boys didn't even want this song. Like, what the hell? Um, I'm anyways, sure. but uh, so I had to rewrite the some of the melody and totally rewrite all the lyrics and everything, and. Yeah, I love this track. I love. I mean, Alex is so great with all the modular synth stuff. So all the, I mean, he's really gotten good with it in the last few years. And it's so fun to watch him go on so complicated. All those noises and patterns that you hear in it are just chunky. And you can't replicate that with like plugins on, you know, in the box on a laptop or in a computer. It's like those are just proper analog sounds it just doesn't get any better than that i love how that song sounds and then it just keeps going it keeps going so
1: let's hear a little bit of the next one which is track 10 doses
2: Towards the end of the pandemic, I got a call from Big Frida's management to write songs uh, with Frida. And that was just like a dream. I've been living in New Orleans for a while. I've got a house there. I live part of my life there. And uh, so I started going into the studio with Frida and writing stuff with her for her and made some great songs. And Frida and I got on really well. So I had Frida and Boyfriend, who's someone, that right, writes a friend of mine uh, who also writes with Frida. He's a rapper, lives in New Orleans. We got together and basically wrote the vocals for Frida in this song. And I, I wanted Frida to sound different than Frida normally sounds like. Um, and this song kind of went through a lot of different iterations, but I basically took pieces of it to Alex and we sort of constructed this... I guess it's kind of like a acid house track. I came up with the baseline, which I love. Just uh, we were just in Alex's studio. I just started playing at baseline. I think I have a video of the moment that we made it. And I was just so I was just like my head was bopping. Um, And basically, when I was with Alex, I was like, I want to make, let's make a suite. Like, let's, whatever we do, let's make it kind of like one long thing. I want to make, I want to make one piece that just keeps changing. And this whole section of the album is just like these great kind of like, you get a piece of the song and then you get these like big swells and these big builds that sort of drop you into another place. And yeah that was my goal with with this whole section
0: and with that we move into radio eyes which is track 11 and the next part of this section
2: tech world and when we were making it i remember thinking like god i wish i had something like those that thing i did with jane fonda a few years back and i'd made this monologue with her to go over this really short film and i just went back in the raw takes of that it it wasn't something that like it was just like a a pretty small film project so not a lot not a ton of people saw it i don't think and i was like i'm just going to go back in and take the raw takes of of her and sort of reconstructed it, and then I just—it sort of was the was the sort of catalyst for the rest of the song, which is about these alien beings coming down and making humans their slaves, essentially, and you know, building this entirely new world. Uh, and there's a battle that happens in the song. That whole dropout buildup is a there's a whole story being told in the song there's a whole battle that happens in it and the fanfare at the end of it which I really wanted to feel like never-ending story Falkor on the back you know uh, like riding the good luck dragon you know triumph they've won so it has this happy ending but it's really a, a scary song it's it's kind of the most frightening song on the record it's really spooky (laughs) and it's funny I didn't necessarily know if it worked entirely and I questioned that up until still I questioned if it works totally but it works it 100%
0: works (laughs) (laughs) it's a a fantastic build to that to that end and the the kind of otherworldly electronic soundscapes that you've got towards the end of the track towards the by just before the fanfare, i think is is just one of the most like if you can listen to an album and have yours kind of mouth wide open it's just it's awesome isn't it it's just a fantastic end to that particular piece before we go into the last track
1: so we move on to the final song on the album track 12 diamonds don't burn
2: I made this with with Cheever and it's over over the pandemic I really got into this album by Edward O'Brien he's the drummer from Radiohead and he made this wicked album I think it's called is it called Earth the single off of it is called Olympic and it's this eight minute jam that sounds like U2 from the early 90s even the vocal on it sounds like U2 it sounds like Bono and I just really got, it was my most played song on Spotify that year. And anyways, it sort of took me back to Auction Baby and Zeropa. And I was really playing those records so much. And then I was kind of thinking about uh, Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me by U2 off the Batman Forever soundtrack. And like this moment in time, these really epic, cinematic songs with like breakbeats underneath them and like bono in like glam mode like glam bono is just my favorite character he does this character on you know on zuropo if you think about lemons like just this preening creature that he does and i was just really into that sound and i wanted to make something that like had that kind of cinematic epic feel and i wanted to play with breakbeats i wanted to play with some really. Uh, just out there lyrics. Um, and that's how Diamonds Don't Burn happened. There's this story about Suzanne Summers that I heard, who's this American actress. Basically, there had been a fire in Malibu, and you know, all these mansions burned down, and two people were having a conversation, and they were saying that their insurance covered all their jewelry. And the other person says, you better get your story straight because diamonds don't burn. (laughs) And it it was just the funniest, like, sort of anecdote that I heard. And then I just wrote that title down. I thought it was just, like, a funny. So that's where that came from. And then you've got Iggy Pop in there, which I just wanted to lay in. Uh, It was him on this Canadian talk show in the 70s. And I just thought it was so kind of beautifully scattered and and sweet his little speech that he gives here and I laid it in and and he let me use it which I just thought was lovely and I feel like it's kind of the sort of wrap-up thesis statement of the album and what music is and how it makes us you know how I feel when I perform and all that stuff and then it's over <laughs> for now but of course we've got glastonbury to look forward
1: to which is happening right about now I think as this episode goes out Please tell us you're going to be back in the UK soon, because I feel like we need to hear more of the album. I want to hear the album from
2: start to finish live. It's it's just such a masterpiece. Yeah, I'm going to be in the, I mean, I'm living in the UK for the most part now and um, there's going to be, there will be a tour, but I'm also just, I want to make a third side for this record. I want to make the third part of it. And that's what I've already started doing. And that just gets me, excited. I want to be, you know, I want to be touring and stuff definitely through next summer. So I want to kind of keep this world alive yeah, from this album. And yeah, I kind of don't want to move on from it too quickly, but yeah, I'm glad you like it. And you know, I'm, I'm super excited. Like playing these stuff in shows so far has been so much fun. And I can't wait to do more, and I mean, just in the last couple of days, Tiva and I have written a couple of songs that are just fucking awesome hmm.
0: well that's the perfect place to to end our time today with i guess the the hints for the the hint of a tease for a future uh future song or two. Thank you, Jake, for joining us. It's been a real treat hearing about the album
2: Thank you so much for having me i really I really appreciate you guys having me um and i uh i I love your show. And it's very sweet to be on it so thank you dan and will thank you
1: and we'll thank chat you. to you about part three next year
2: yes sounds good <laughs> all right y'all
0: Certainly had, had a, giggle a giggle with
1: Jake Shears. On try my
0: track, we could have yeah that and that conversation we had with Jake. Uh, he was very generous with his time. It could have gone on and on, but he had to get to the airport. Uh, and it really puts into perspective that he was dashing off to the airport to fly off for a foreign for a foreign gig, and you just had to uh, go and let the dog out.
1: <laughs> I know. prior different, different priorities, different, different worlds. worlds.
0: Yeah, uh, but yeah. Thank you very much, Jake, for sharing so many exclusive insights into the mm. new album.
1: I hope we don't get him into trouble. Hope he's not said too much.
0: I love the fact, though, Dan, that he's just—he's not letting the grass grow underneath him. He's getting—he's getting straight on uh, and writing and recording tracks already.
1: Yeah, it, this era is so exciting. But a friend of ours, mutual friend of ours, texted me the day of the album release and said he needs to keep doing that. This. this is phenomenal. He just needs to keep doing this. I think he was almost expecting him to never ever stop Just be the last man dancing forever Which is quite a big ask but...
0: oh, Sounds like one of those comic, comic relief Charity-a-thons That you get <laughs> about Rylan or Kel Vorderman doing on Radio 2 Oh perhaps next year we could do a 24-hour podcast
1: We could probably raise about £17.50 I think between our two families
0: So let us know what you think about Last Man Dancing uh, and our our time with Jake. Uh, It's such a pleasure bringing these artists to you and it's such a treat for us to get to talk to them. We hope you enjoyed it.
1: And don't forget, if you haven't already joined us on Patreon, you could have heard this episode a short while earlier and you could have heard a little bit more from Jake as well. And that's always the case when we release brand new album episodes with the artist.
0: So thank you for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Until then...
1: I've been the last man dancing.
0: And I've been the devil that came down to the dance floor. Ah, Bye. Goodbye. Bye.